The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, having um, talked a little bit about the idea of reporting your experience, I want to hear a little bit from you. And um, let's see, I know Cheryl and Jeff didn't get a chance to talk yesterday. If you would like, I would like to offer you to the opportunity to begin. Uh, what was it we were supposed to talk about? <laughs> well, I, I, first of all, yesterday was asking people to simply report on what your task is, what your um, chore is, anything you've noticed about those uh, in particular also in the last few days of practicing. Okay. Um, well, I decided to uh, use my morning ablutions as, uh, as the uh, thing that I would... Uh, focus on each day, and um, uh, I start out with very good intentions, and I usually end up with, uh, with uh, realizing that uh, I've been spaced out for a while, and, um, but more and more I'm, I'm, I'm finding that I'm present. And um, the uh, repetitive um, task is uh, going to the bathroom, so mm-hmm. which can happen fairly often depending on how much I'm eating or drinking, so um, that it's been working actually fairly well. Um, uh, there's a you know, bit of uh, uh, prelude to that in terms of walking in the door or whatever else. That, mm-hmm. And uh, so it's kind of a good, a good reminder. And um, at some point, if I've uh, spaced out, it, uh, um, it, it actually comes back fairly much, uh, fairly easily. So one thing that you reminded me about um, that I didn't get a chance to talk about so much on Sunday um, is that with this repetitive task being uh, something that we are kind of choosing to engage in, well, in the case of, of using the toilet, it's, it's more an impetus from the body that makes you need to go to the, to the toilet. Um, but the uh, one of the helpful areas around this exploration of choosing something, of choosing a an intentional activity that you are engaging in as a place of exploring this mindfulness practice, is that as you start to connect with that experience more and more, um, you might start to notice. You know, so over time, over the, the few days of of practice, you might start to notice that you're you're noticing as you're you're reaching for your glass or uh, as you're standing. And at some point in this process, you'll start to notice before you go, before you move, before you stand. And I think with the going to the bathroom, this is a good one because you've got this kind of you know maybe full bladder kind of impetus pressure that's kind of triggering you. Um, to have to make that move. So seeing if you can, as this, this progresses through the week, uh, or particularly around the repetitive task, um, open yourself to the possibility that you might begin to notice that you're going to engage in that activity before it begins. So you're sitting at your computer, and you... Um, you realize that 
thirst has arisen, and so you know that you're going to reach for the glass of water before you start to do that. So if reaching for drinking, if drinking or touching is your task, then you know before it happens. And likewise with the the going to the bathroom, you know, you feel that pressure. You know that's kind of like that's the impetus to remember in a way. So seeing if you can recognize that uh, impetus, that about to or that going to take an action before it has begun. This is actually a... It is the point at which the Buddha says our freedom resides. In this moment of knowing that an action is going to happen before it happens. This is, an, this is a capacity of mind that we have. It's actually quite an amazing capacity, this, this self-reflective capacity and our capacity to recognize an intention that's arising in the mind to do something. It's a subtle movement, but in these kind of grosser bodily actions, we can recognize it. And through this process of connecting over and over again to a particular activity through the day, this starts to highlight this about-to moment, this moment before something is going to happen. The moment of knowing that you're intending to do something before you actually do it. So in that uh, exploration, it's really helpful to notice that. And in this week, seeing if you can recognize that moment of being about to act before the action happens. And in that moment, the, the key point that the Buddha pointed to is the motivation behind the action. Now, with something like going to the bathroom, that's probably going to be you know, uh, either a kind of a neutral motivation or, you know, it's a a bodily motivation to relieve that pressure. Um, There may be a subtle aversion or a wanting to get rid of that pressure, but there can also just simply be the, the acting on the bodily need that doesn't have greed or aversion associated with it. Um, Things like drinking water, kind of a similar thing. Um, A lot of the tasks that I've pointed to, um, can have very neutral intentions. So there may not be anything in particular that kind of stands out for you when you notice this moment of about to do something, seeing, you know, checking in, what's the motivation here? Why am I about to do this? There are some places, though, where we can uh, begin to see how this really impacts us. For instance... You know, the, the act of standing. If you're looking at standing as being your, uh, your task, your repetitive task, then you might notice sometimes that, you know, for instance, you're sitting at your computer and you notice that you're about to stand in order to go to the bathroom. Or you notice you're about to stand in order to um, give your body a break, you know, kind of a compassionate motivation because your body has been sitting still for so long and it needs some movement. 
Or you might notice the motivation to stand because you're so frustrated with the computer that you just can't stand to sit there anymore. A motivation of aversion. So this recognizing the momentum or the push in the mind to do something, that the intention to do something has a mental impetus behind it. So that the intention to move there is a, uh, also usually a motivating force behind that intention to move. So a mental experience of frustration with the computer, conditioning the mental impetus to act, which further conditions the action. So the, this beginning to see this kind of process unfolding begins to point to us the way cause and effect works in our experience. So this simple task exercise begins to point us into a kind of a more subtle area of exploration around our intentions and our motivations. So that's just a, um, an encouragement, particularly around the task, to keep coming back. I mean, as I said on Sunday, a large part of that task is as a support for uh, just beginning to recognize those moments of waking up. That if we didn't have something that we were trying to remember regularly through the day, these moments of, of remembering might not happen to us. And we can also explore a little more deeply as we start to connect with that task and um, start to be able to actually see the flow of experience around the task. And the simple practice around simply recognizing, remembering that you've forgotten, that you haven't paid attention for the last three hours, recognizing what's happening in that moment, and resolving again to try again, over time it will begin to point to this moment before something happens. So, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> it was the full bladder thing that made me think of that. <laughs> My repetitive task is um, going through doorways. And um, the thing I'm, I found kind of amazing so far is that maybe 40% of the time I do it, I do recall what's happening. First of all, how many doorways. But also, at night, when I wouldn't expect to do that, it seems to be the easiest time. I've noticed that during the night. Oh, you mean when you get up at yes. night? Yes. Uh-huh. It seems uh-huh. to be an easy time to recall and really mindfully do it in a much better way than, ah, and I think as I'm going across the transom or something. Uh-huh. That's so interesting. That's, that's been... Do you have a sense of why that might be? What might be the conditions in the mind that are different in the evening than during the day? It's conditions that change, so... Probably settled, mm-hmm. settled, and like I noticed yesterday, when I saw somebody here that was in the door, and even this morning when I saw you, I got lost as I went through this door. Ah, oh, there's Andrea. <laughs> I've got a lot of striving, a lot of you know achievement, motivation. So I'm seeing that quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. So noticing the toppling forward. Yes. Yes. So yes. that's great to recognize. I mean, you know, we're not trying to get rid of what our minds do. We're trying to recognize what our minds do. 
it's amazing what I can make into a competition, you know, with myself. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So that's uh-huh. that's been interesting. Um, and then the repetitive task is. Am I holding this too close? It feels. No. Okay. Um, the repetitive task is uh, brushing my teeth. And last night, Jeff really wanted to get me to get to bed really quickly. And I was in the middle of something, and so I thought, okay, I'll do this. So I started doing it really fast. I knew this was my repetitive task, so I didn't get totally lost till after. But um, uh, it was kind of interesting, interesting to see this doesn't have to be a certain way, that I'm going slowly and mindfully. And so I was sort of digging on how I could do it quickly but still pay attention to it. Yes. That was good. That was Great. Fun. I'm yeah. so happy to hear that. I want to reemphasize that because we do have this idea often, I think based on our practice in um, more formal settings, that mindfulness means slowness. And you can be mindful of anything. And part of our task in our daily lives is to be able to wake up for how we're functioning during our day. And sometimes we have to rush. Sometimes we are rushing when we don't have to rush and we can see that, oh, I can slow down here and use that practice around uh, noticing the speed of movement. I talked about that with respect to walking um, and connecting with the speed of the movement and uh, checking into the ease of, of mind and and how you can be connected, or how the mindfulness kind of naturally connects with the particular speed of movement, that holds true for all our movements throughout the day. So if you have the time, if you're not rushed, if you don't have some agenda that you need to get to, and you know there are definitely times of the day where we have to move more quickly than we would like. Um, and so then the task is to see, just as you said, how can I be mindful even when I'm rushing? And as Shanti Davis said, how can the action of mindfulness be performed under these very circumstances? But if we do have the time, if we notice that we're rushing and we don't need to be rushing, you know, if you have a leisurely time to go through the grocery store, for example, you don't have a, a kind of deadline. See if you can find the pace of movement in all of your movements in the grocery store at which mindfulness brings some ease. That that the pace and the mindfulness together have a sense of ease. You know, even the reaching, you know, there's a kind of a a pattern or a, a, a pace to the movement of reaching to get something off the shelf, looking at the label, all of that where mindfulness kind of comes into sync with it. So allowing that sense of noticing the pace and where the ease kind of falls in as a, as a way to work when we don't have to rush. I also noticed, noticed irritation with, boy, here I am. Doesn't he know I'm on my thing for the day? You know, and I got, because he's rushing me. You know? <laughs> I realized, okay. So you noticed the irritation? Yeah, uh-huh, yep. uh-huh. it was like, it was like... <laughs> It was, it was sort of fun in a way because I thought, okay, I'm just going to rush but still be mindful. Uh-huh. And it, was, it was kind of fun. Really, I'm, gla- I'm so glad you saw that. That's, that's great. Yeah. So um, others having uh, yeah, 
Sophia. I, I, uh, I really appreciate today's instructions really, really quite a bit. And I'm looking forward to carrying that out. I've been, um, I was uh, really quite amazed, like you, you stated earlier, how certain what we're doing is associated with formal practice. And so, you know, I picked a simple thing like walking, and then what, it, what, it, what astonished me was that kind of like when I'm in the apartment, it's like I'm not conscious that I'm walking. I'm only thinking about, well, when I'm outside, I'm usually practicing mindfulness because when I'm at the center, that's what I do. So you began to notice that you were walking but not paying attention in your house. Yeah, and that scared me. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to scare you. I mean, what, what well, happens... Well, I understand the implications. <laughs> yeah, but, so. but I mean... Um, anyway, it's helpful. In noticing, I mean, what, what happens as we engage in this daily life practice and as we engage in mindfulness in general, you'll notice this if you go on a retreat, particularly where you're engaging in, you know, you've got 19 hours a day to do nothing but be mindful of whatever you're doing. And what you start to recognize is you notice when you're not mindful. It starts to point itself out to you. Oh, I'm looking in the mirror and I didn't notice that I intended to look in the mirror. This happened to me on one retreat that I kept finding myself gazing at myself in the mirror. (laughs) It's like I would get lost and then I would, you know, be looking at my face and... And, and I'd get lost looking in the mirror, and it was, it was, I was finding it as a place I was waking up having been gazing in the mirror for some time. And so noticing that, I started using that when I came in the vicinity of a mirror. It's like, okay, you know, start paying attention. Be a little more alert here. So that then I started noticing when I was washing my hands, there was an intention to look up. And I could not act on that intention. Or if I did, then just look up, mindfully look at my face in the mirror, and then go on, as opposed to getting lost and looking at my face in the mirror. So the recognition of when mindfulness is not there, that's the doorway to be able to then open to it. We can celebrate that recognition. And then, you know, Highlight that. So now, moving in your apartment, you can see if you can emphasize that walking as well. Yeah. And then the other... I had another massive revelation about the Dharma and, you know, all this and the equanimity. And then I, I realized, really, you know, I've been listening over and over and over, and I'm, I'm just really letting it penetrate about, you know, Gil says, well, you know, we don't have to be for or against anything. I found it's, it's very, very powerful, very profound. And um, it leads to awakening. And, um, and I realized, you know, when I was younger, I had very, very, very powerful clinging and aversion to everything. And so I realized that, you know, this is really part of, you know, growing up is letting go of these strong preferences one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Sophia. Anyone else? (laughs) You weren't here yesterday, Frankie. Would you like to say something? 
It's not required. I mean... Uh, I haven't been doing the homework. Um, So it's probably a little premature. Okay. I'm in the midst of putting my house on the market. Do you have the instructions that I gave? Were you you weren't here on Sunday? No. Okay, so let me give you those. Um, um, and, um, and then you can talk another time. <laughs> Great. Thank so you. be sure to pick those up before you go. Anyone else have any? Yeah, Linda. Oh, use the mic. Go ahead and use the mic. This this is being recorded, and um, I have been requested to put the, to post these. There's somebody somebody who found out I was doing this householder retreat lives in Australia, and he says the only way I'm going to be able to participate is by doing this online. So I'm hoping to get this up. It, it'll take some time, but um, just this morning I found it hard to. Um hard to sit and um, and so I kept shifting my position and, and all and kept being carried away by the story you know and I finally um, I got started with one story and it was like oh that's anger and it came as such a surprise to me that I could just identify it that way and and then the story kind of faded, and I was like, "Oh, I could identify it, you know." Uh-huh. So it was, it was, it was like, "Oh, it, yeah, the big O." Oh. So when you noticed that that that, that was anger, you, so you you experienced the thinking, mm-hmm. and you recognized that it was anger. What when you recognized that, and the thinking fell away, um, was there any impact on the body, or did the whole pattern fall away at that point? It was such a shock um, that I felt happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't have to stay in the story and try to figure it out and try to solve it in, in arrears. Um, you know, that, that it was just, just anger. And it was like, oh, that's cool. And then, then I was able to, uh, to, to just go back to the breathing or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it took away the whole urgency of, of being comfortable or um, meditating correctly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's insight, what you describe around seeing the anger, recognizing, oh, that's anger, seeing that it disappears. That's actually how... The practice works. And the insight around it is, I don't have to continue this. I mean, that it's, it's not, it, that essentially that, that's pointing also to a choice. But it's kind of a choice that's made by the wisdom. It's, it's a choice that's made by wisdom. When it sees, when wisdom sees, when the mindfulness and wisdom come together and see anger present in the mind... Mindfulness and wisdom know that's heading towards unpleasantness and suffering. It, it knows the, the path when you've watched it enough. It knows where it's going. And mindfulness and wisdom, seeing that, chooses 
to let it go. So it's not something we actually do. You know, it, it probably didn't feel like you did it either. It's kind of like you recognized it and it's like, whoa, there it, it disappeared. It's like it fell away. It wasn't something you had to, to try to do. It let go of itself. And that's actually the way uh, the practice unfolds. So that's beautiful. Thank you for reporting that. So yesterday, um, uh, when I would walk through a door, if, if I noticed that I was coming to the door, I would actually try to bring my feet together just as, as a way of noting sort of physically uh-huh. that I was aware that I was going through a door. Most of the day that didn't happen, and I would find myself, you know, five strides later laughing when I... I when you remembered. When I would remember. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and I've really enjoyed this awareness of the arising of awareness. Great. Um, that uh, throughout the day, not just the door thing, but that, that's been very interesting to me. So what do you notice in that moment when you recognize awareness has come back or the mindfulness has come back? Um, well, well, this laughter is kind of, it's a funny <laughs> response that uh-huh. uh, just, I, I find it, well, yesterday I was finding it very amusing that such a simple thing as noticing that I'm going to go through a door, you know, I will, I will be getting up from my desk and, and realize I'm about to go through a door, and between then and getting to the door, I will have forgotten. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, isn't it, how I'm, quickly we get lost? Right, and there's six doors between my desk and the water cooler. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'll often find myself going, oh, door, door, door. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, today, it, that laughter came with a little sigh at the end of it. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, What's the sigh? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a little uh, impatience with mm. you know. How, mm. You know, it's been a whole day. How come I haven't been able to change the way I view the okay, whole? Okay, notice that sigh. Yeah. You know, turn your attention to that sigh, and what it is. You know, it's that's just the next thing that's arising in your experience. Um, were you here last night? Yeah. For yeah, so that that has come to be. That sigh has already come to be. Yeah, it's the way things actually are. It's the way are. things actually are. Right. Turn your attention to that. Oh, it's mm. a little bit of impatience. Ooh, okay, what's that? No problem, just recognize it. It's already come to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of the things in this remembering... Um, the recognizing that mindfulness has re-arisen. It can be interesting to start to see, and this is, this is not something to do. I'm putting this out there as something that's possible to see, something you might be able to see. And, you know, the part of the way this teaching works, and my te- teacher, Saito Utejaniya, really emphasizes this. He says, you know, nothing I tell you is something to do. I'm giving you a description of what can be seen. Um, And having heard that description, your mind might then be able to see it. Um, It might kind of naturally 
move there. You know, if you don't hear the information, you might overlook it completely. But simply having heard it, you might then be able to, to recognize it. I, I think, was it you about the hand that said, when I, re, when, when, um, I described or named the experiences? Was that not you? Well, there was somebody the other day when I, when I was doing the exercise on the four elements and observing the sensations in the hand. I was naming them. I was naming possible sensations. Tingling, vibration, tension, pulling, pressure, heat, coolness. And that person said, I hadn't noticed any of them, but when you named them, I felt them all. And that's kind of the way this works. So I'm going to describe this or, or, or talk a little bit about this, but it's not something to try to do. It's just... And so having said that, this may sound like something to do. <laughs> See if you can recognize what it feels like to wake up. What's the difference between being awake and the quality of a few moments before when you were lost. We can't actually, when we're completely lost, we can't actually know that feeling, but when we come back, there's a recollection of what it felt like. And that contrast, the contrast of what it feels like, um, supports our familiarity with what it feels like to be awake. And getting familiar with that feeling of what it feels like to be awake, it starts to point itself out to us because it happens more than you can imagine. Just a quick split second of knowing what's happening as it's happening, just for like a split second. And then, like you're recognizing, oh, I'm going to be going through the door. And then a split second later, you're gone. Um, those moments actually kind of surface and then disappear into the doing. You know, we see something, we see a little spot on the floor, and for a moment we know it. You know, for a moment there's the connection of there is something and the mind knows that it's seeing it while it's seeing it. Although it hasn't become strong enough for the mind to recognize that it is aware. So there's the, the recognition of the thing but the mind isn't quite clear enough to recognize, oh, I am seeing that I see the spot on the floor. Um, but, but there is a moment of kind of knowing what's happening while it's happening, but immediately we leap onto it and want to do something with it, get the sponge to clean it up. So we forget about the mindfulness. And this is another place where, where I think the teaching points to what we wouldn't notice. And the Buddha pointed to this quality of mindfulness as being really, really helpful to pay attention to. That this quality above all others is, uh, as, as my teacher Upandita says, mindfulness is the most wholesome mind state. So learning to recognize it, learning to get familiar with what it feels like to be awake is a great support for recognizing those split seconds as they happen. So taking an interest in that difference between... So in that moment of, oh, I've, I've remembered my, uh, that I forgot to look at the door, you know, forgot to go through the door. In that moment, you might also be able to recognize 
the difference between two seconds before when the mind was spinning forward, toppling forward into being at the water cooler um, and what it's like right now. Ooh, here I am. You know, kind of, whew. It's like, you know, turning the light on. So anything, anything more you have to offer? I always have more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when, when brushing my teeth, uh, I, I, I had sort of almost the, the reverse experience that I, I go through my life optimizing everything I can, everything I pay attention to I optimize. That's just kind of my outlook. And, and so I noticed that when I was aware of brushing my teeth, I was doing things as though my life depended on getting through this task, you know, very quickly. I had this. And, 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 and so I became aware of, well, it's not very skillful for me to be sort of bent over the sink this whole time. I can stand up while uh-huh. I'm doing this particular part, you know, rinsing my mouth or something. You know. And, oh, I'm leaving the water running even though I don't need it. That hand's free. I can turn off the water until I need it again, and then turn it back on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, and it it there were times that I was you know multitasking. I was putting the tooth cap on the toothpaste while I was you know doing something else with my other hand. And uh-huh. It's like, well, you know, is that helping? Is that really of a benefit, or is that just you know uh-huh. making me anxious? Yeah, yeah, great. Sounds like you're seeing a lot. <laughs> great, thank you. Oh, I've been enjoying the silence, not having the radio on, not putting the TV on. And in that silence, I've, I've been waiting, and then I'll just come totally awake to the fact that I'm sitting in this quiet room reading. And I, I, I almost feel like I'm part of a still life, that mm. and I'm very aware of everything around me. It's been very interesting. So while you're reading, you've been able to... To, to wake up from it, in a sense, or you know, and, and know that I'm reading, but be very in tune with uh-huh, uh-huh. the whole kind of quiet of the apartment and enjoying it. One one place you might, since you're able to kind of be there and notice that environmental aspect around the reading, another place to kind of deepen in further is to um, see if you can keep track of. It depends on what you're reading. I mean, if you're reading a dry journal or, uh, you know... I'm not. <laughs> okay. Um, um, keep in tune with your emotional resonance to what is happening as the information comes in. That you know, oh, sadness is arising or fear or agitation so that you recognize as you get the information how the mind-body system is impacted by the information. Thanks. That's good. I'm not happy with being mindful, blah, blah, blah. And it was like I didn't have a, I almost said a swear word. I didn't have a break just watching myself all the time. I felt it was way too. So it felt heavy and burdensome? I just didn't like it. I just wanted to be able to do what I'm doing without saying, oh, Mary's doing this now, Mary's doing that now. And it didn't stop with putting the stuff away. It kind of kept going in and out every couple of minutes. And even when I was in the car. 
I didn't like it. <laughs> um, so it sounds like it's a little bit um, overdone, <laughs> in a way. Um, let see if you can let go. I mean, and you may not be able to. I mean, part of what you might need to do is recognize this kind of um, commentary that's going on. Uh, I noticed this at some point in my in my practice that I had this running commentary of my life going on. Oh, and now she's doing this, and then she's going to tell that person this thing, and oh, I saw this, and oh, isn't that interesting? And and then she noticed that she thought that was interesting. It's like, oh, will you stop? <laughs> and it was all in the third person too. It's like. <laughs> um, like it sounds like for you, Mary's doing this now. I mean, it's like third person uh, dis- description or describing that happens. We find that we narrate our lives. You know, that part of what the mindfulness can uncover is that we are just continually telling ourselves the story of me nonstop, <laughs> all day long. Um, and it's, you know, when it's seen, it can be kind of a combination of amusing and annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it may be that you're overdoing the mindfulness a little bit and it may also be that you're tapping into that the mindfulness is starting to touch into this story of me that you're telling you know it, it can be subtle you know it's it's like we tell ourselves this all day long of who we are and what we're doing there's kind of this non-stop narrative going but it's not something we're necessarily conscious of until we start to pay attention so it may be that you're noticing that. And what then you can do, if you, if you try to, what, the first thing I'm going to suggest is let go of using any verbalization around the mindfulness practice. Just see if you can move into the feeling of it. Just, you know, noticing, you know, the kind of um, texture of the movement and touching so that you're not so much in the thinking about it, but it, the, the, the observation is a, is, is, is a kinesthetic thing rather than a mental thing, in a way. Um, if you still notice that your mind is doing this narration, then that's what the mind needs to pay attention to or recognize, oh, you know, the storytelling is happening. You don't have to try to stop it. Just kind of notice that this process of telling yourself the story of me is something that's happening. Just because I want to clarify, usually I'm totally oblivious of everything. I'm just running, doing whatever I'm doing. I'm not really doing a story of me all the time. (laughs) But... I found it when I was outside in the sun just listening to the birds. Then I could get out of it. Uh-huh. That uh-huh. was really nice. So, so yeah, so try that kinesthetic approach to the putting things away in the morning as opposed to using a kind of a mental um, naming around what's doing. And see if that falls away. See if that kind of um, narration part falls away. We have a couple minutes. If there's anyone else, yeah, Tracy. So um, I had a little bit of the opposite effect that Mary had, in that um, my 
my task to, f- to be mindful at, I was brushing my teeth. And I realized that normally I see brushing my teeth and washing my face in the morning as something I have to just do so I can get to work. And instead, I've kind of like turned into the experience and realized that, you know, there's a lot going on when I brush my teeth. And now I actually think that it's, again, it's like a spa. Spa <laughs> break, you know, because the whole like the brushing and the massaging of the gums. Um, so I just realized just the way that I look at the task totally changed the way I felt about it. Absolutely, and that's kind of the the movement around suitability, the clear comprehension of suitability. That we can bring our practice into anything, and then it. It supports our waking up. It's not something to get over with. So everything is suitable. I mean, every wholesome action (laughs) is suitable. Yeah, and the other thing was when washing my face, like I actually really was focusing on like the feeling of my hand touching my face. And even though I've had this face my whole life, it was (laughs) (laughs) was totally different. I felt like I got to know it. So it's like... I felt like a kid relearning something that's already always been there. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So. That's beautiful. Thank you, Tracy. Okay, so we need to stop. So thank you all for your sharing this morning, and I'll see hopefully some of you this evening.